Hello, welcome to the Honest Wargamer. I'm your host, Rob. Welcome to a faction reaction. Ah, so, so, so presentary. Faction reaction with, yes, with Stuart. There he is. Look at that. The I call him the Warhammer Warlock. A, a legend. One of the, we're going to load. Stuart, how are you? Are you well? I'm, I'm great. Happy to talk about ogres anytime. Good. I'm, Love it. I, yeah, I'm very excited because this is a faction reaction for the Ogre Moor tribes. Now, to introduce Stuart and kind of dive right into the conversation, I've seen him play over the past year. Obviously, during lockdown and everything else, uh, he's been playing with a whole bunch of different Ogre Moor tribes armies. So not just Stonehorns, although with Stonehorns, of course, but uh, Yetis, Iron Guts, all sorts of stuff. So he's been he's been he's been making the plays. And honestly, if you guys are new to Age of Sigmar at all. I would say this is this is the place to start learning about them because there's been a load of people who've done very well with Ogremore tribes across the world, but Stuart's really, I think, explored the depth of the book, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for being here for us all. Love to be here. Yeah. Good, good. I, I <laughs> I'm really glad you're here. Before we get into it, although, are you well? How's things? You're based in Japan at the moment, right? Yeah, yeah. I've had, had a few life changes. Some some today, some earlier than today, but uh, it's all it's all headed in the right direction. Well, that's, that's good. what it's about. That, yeah, it, yeah, good. Yeah, the right direction is the only direction, right? <laughs> right. So, <laughs> uh, let's. Like, I'm going to start off by asking you in Age of Sigmar two for people who are new, like they might not know like how more tribes played. How could you decide? Do, could you define their playstyle? Like, what are their strengths and weaknesses? How what did they do in Age of Sigmar two well? So, I mean, there were a lot of archetypes going on, um, but the main popular one was the, you know, the Yulbad archetype with a bunch of Stonehorns and Mournfang. And that sort of play style was pretty, you know, early game focused, um, great at getting one charge off and using the six inch pile in to smash through the screens and hit the juicy stuff at the back. Great at just moving monsters on an objective and just saying, this is mine now and standing there. Um, you know, much like the Gargans who came a bit later. So that was the sort of main archetype, the Stonehorns and the Mournfang. And then, you know, there are a few people experimenting, including myself. And, uh, you know, initially when the book came out, everyone thought the Gutbusters half was terrible, um, especially, Me. you know, like like a lot of people saw the Gourmand Battalion and saw the Iron Guts in the Battalion as tax. That was, that was the take everyone had mm -hmm. when the book came out, like, Everyone wants to play Gluttons. Let's play Gluttons and Blood Gullet, right? So we want to take Gormand, but the four Iron Guts that you have to take in that battalion were taxed, everyone thought. But it turned out Ogre Gluttons were not good <laughs> because <laughs> when, when, when the buffs go off, when the buffs go off, man, you get the plus one attack and you could go in and you got plus one to hit and you're on twos to hit re-rolling one, sixes exploding, threes to wound re-rolling, you know, they slap. They kill, they kill a lot of stuff as long as it doesn't have re-roll saves. But the turn they don't have the buffs on, they are terrible. Like, they do nothing. Because your opponent can just charge on the end, and you're going to get, like, three in. You can have no rend. And they, so, don't yep, do, and they also aren't the most survivable either. No, not for their points. Um, no. And even now, they're still not like that. Um, so, but uh, I started playing Iron Guts, which is, you know, where the Iron Guts name comes from. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah. Which brought uh, you to my attention, because so, at that point, Iron Guts weren't even a conversation. Like, they were just none. And we were doing the Age of Sigmar Stat Center, which we did on a Monday on the Honest Wargamer. And, uh, like, Owen was like, there's this guy, Rob, and he keeps doing this thing with Iron Guts. And I'm like, stop it. 
right? So, the, yeah. <laughs> so it, it springs to mind. Normally, when that happens, it's just someone who's playing something like uh, a little bit more like narrative, or they're just playing what they really want to play. Even though all armies obviously a narrative, but then you're just running around with Iron Guts and doing really well. What was it about Iron Guts that attracted you, which moved away from the Stonehorn build? What was it about it that uh, you loved? Well, I think I just noticed in uh, so the list I was playing when the book first came out was was weird as but it was basically two stone horns and eight iron guts and then i put in uh, an borrowed arch region and a fungoid cave shaman anyway it was a whole weird thing but i just found that in my games i just wanted more iron guts like the iron guts just did work they would just you know get through the grind in the middle which is what i really needed to do to win the games so i just started gradually introducing more iron guts in the list and it eventually came to the point where i figured out that you kind of only want one Frost Sword and Stonehorn because you put all the buffs on him and you want to go with him first. Um, and also at the time, Ethereal Amulet was, you know, just so much better than the second Stonehorn, right? The Ethereal Amulet Stonehorn was like maybe worth 300 more points than the second Stonehorn, right? Mm -hmm. So you get like huge diminishing returns, which you get, I think, as well, this edition, which I'll talk about later. But yeah, eventually I just decided putting lots of Iron Guts in list and keeping the one Stonehorn was the good balance of getting through your opponent's bodies and also still having that fast missile in the, the Frostal and Stonehorn um, just to tie stuff up with Ethereal Amulet and then later Alvagir rune tokens. Yeah. The, and would you say that the, the strength of the army was really in the, the output as opposed to the defensiveness? Like what are the, what are the weaknesses, what were, sorry, what were the weaknesses of the, would you say of the Ogre book in general and then generally the competitive list? Where did, where did they struggle? Uh, I would say late game, they struggle a lot. Um, they struggled a lot. Yeah, I think they're still going to have that problem. Uh, and definitely, uh, you know, the, the missions that have a lot of objectives, um, unless you're running that Yule Bad build, uh, do the Gutbusters struggle a little bit with missions like Scorched Earth? Because you kind of want to fight in the middle of the board. And Scorched Earth is it's just a dead zone in the middle of the board. So, um, you know, you often ended up with, with two horizontal two vertical corridors right with with four objectives um and that middle zone was kind of dead uh so yeah no late game because you don't have summoning and you don't have shooting and you don't have teleports and all that um and lots of objectives was something we struggled with yeah yes uh yeah i i i tended to find that ogres generally didn't do like they didn't generally 5-0 like and stats really support that if you guys want to go back and look um over age sigma 2 they didn't generally 5-0 they often 3-2 and 4-1 but it looked like everyone who's playing with them just had the best time thanks everyone thanks ziggy for resubscribing by the way we're live on twitch right now um like it, they uh yeah, they, 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 they struggled. But when they did go in or when they did hit or if people played against them badly, it felt like it felt like if you could understand how to play against them, you were in an OK place. But if you couldn't, then like they really dominated in a way that you didn't quite understand, especially holding more objectives. Was that like a huge strength? Would you did you think at the time? Well, definitely the yeah, the, the, the knowing how to play against them was a huge thing. Um, and for me. The moment where I stopped playing Iron Guts was when someone went first and did absolutely nothing. Like <laughs> if you if you're playing against if you're playing against a slow combat army, take the first turn and do absolutely nothing and just put like, you know, some garbage on objectives. And that's even better now than it used to be. Um, yeah. And then your opponent is instantly in a situation where they either have to just 
you know, let you shoot them again for a turn or, you know, just even do some chip wounds with magic or run forward as fast as they can and just hope they get the double or they lose the game. All right. But, so that's, that's, that's the problem with the Iron Guts is if your opponent takes the first turn and does nothing and is trying to play so, you know, they give you the, the double into two and you can do nothing, that's what, mm. they're, that's what they're doing there, um, then you're really in trouble. So that's when I sort of started moving away towards being on the other side of that strategy with Yetis, which is where I want to go first and do nothing because I come like this weird melee castle army. Yeah, yeah, like a like a Counter Strike castle army, which is super weird. Like, and we'll talk about that in a second. I just want to say thanks to uh, Kick Lagan um, for resubscribing, Bobbin for gifting a gift subscription to Last Games. Big love, thanks for being here, and Neuroshock Dubs. Uh, thank you to all of you. So yeah, then you moved into Yetis, and again, so if you hadn't caught my attention at Iron Guts, which you were doing really well with, yeah. If you hadn't caught my attention there, you'd have definitely caught my attention with Yetis. And then, so you guys might not know, again, if you're new, we do a lot of live coverage of tournament coverage. So we either do that on T-Sports Network or we've done it on the Honest Wargamer during lockdown. And then during lockdown, uh, we did we covered you playing a load of TTS uh, Sigmar and specifically with the Yetis. So you can go back and watch them. And some of those games were incredible. I would personally think that you're incredibly good at both the macro and the micro. So again, for new people, the micro being the, the, the very specific movements and exactly where you place the model the macro being the grand strategy which you were just talking about you moved away from the grand strategy of um you know uh you you moved into the secondary strategy of i'm going to do nothing in the first turn right so compliments to you on being a, a big ridge brain uh, ogre player which is rare which is rare <laughs> it is rare <laughs> It's true. <laughs> uh, uh, right. So, um, uh, so would you say, um, uh, yeah, so you moved into Yetis. Why did you move into Yetis? What happened? Well, I wanted, so I wanted that, that, that turn flexibility, you know, because Yetis, because they can, they can six inch pile and have, have a lot more to do on, um, on the turn where you don't get the turn, right? Like on the Iron Guts, it's like, it's, it's such a, a, a binary play style where I'm going to go in and charge and kill everything or get charged and die. Like, yeah. Whereas Yetis, I can go in and do like, you know, tag some units, do some chip damage. And then if my opponent charges me, I can use the, the winter bite command ability, which is an aura of 12 inches always strikes first. And I can use that from any hero. And so that means on my opponent's turn, the Yetis can attack them before they get to strike. And also they can just move. Like I can just use, the the always strikes first if they're within six inches of an enemy unit not necessarily to engage the unit but just move so that on my turn i can do something else with them mm. so there was so much more flexibility with the yetis which meant in a game like age of sigma where the turn isn't decided it, it just gave me a bit more strategy and i, I kind of liked that um yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, and again, I saw some incredible plays. I can't wait to ask you about redeploying six-inch parlins. I'm going to do it in a minute uh, because, oh boy, am I excited! So, like, like if we if we did some sort of like short, sharp takes from four ogre more tribes, strengths are, in your opinion, uh, output and objective capturing. Okay. Are really, the two the two main strengths. Yeah. And weaknesses are uh, late game. And um, depends on what you do with the mix of beast core and gut busters. But either you have a problem of uh, not being able to scrum that well, or not being able to spread that well, depending on how the mix of your army, right? Yeah, yeah. Those are the the main two weaknesses. Okay, yeah. that's fair. Uh, and what about magic dominance, or do you just completely ignore magic as a as a as a part of the game? 
The magic was terrible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from the fire belly, who I I, I I did like because the possibility of, of minus two to hit in certain builds. But other than that, um, the Slaughter Master, even in Blood Gullet, wasn't worse as points. Um, yeah, it wasn't good. Okay, so talk to me about Age of Sigmar 3. Um, specifically, yes. let's, let's just go for you, like, before we even talk about more tribes in 3... Let's talk about like just three in general. How do you feel about it? Like, has it, have you thought about it enough that you think I need to approach it in a different way? What are your kind of like hot takes and thoughts on three? I think there's a lot that that on the surface has changed, but maybe has stayed the same. Um, like I know the battle tactics. I think they look like they've added a lot more kind of strategy and, and nuance to the you know like the turn dynamics than they actually do. Um, like a lot of the same strategies of going first and doing nothing, right? That, st- that strategy is still really strong. And also going second with a bad army and running at your opponent is also still really good. Good. So <laughs> so if you just want to smooth brain it and take three monsters and go second and run at your opponent and hope for the double, it's still good. Good. Still really good. Good. Yeah, I think one of the interesting... You're not going to go 5-0, and though. No. I think one of the interesting things I, I've said, uh, having played, like, uh, two tournaments already with it, another tournament this weekend as well, so I'm throwing myself all the way in. I'm very excited about that. Um, uh, is that it feels like you definitely need something that can kill something. You choose battle, you choose broken ranks, you're going to kill a battleline unit. You need The Frost Lord's perfect for that, right? He's going to do the job, or even some Iron Guts. You know, you've got some real good options there inside that book. They they do that. You need to kill stuff tactic, which I think is actually very key, actually, in Age of Sigmar 3, which before wasn't as necessary. You could just hold people off. You'd be like, I'll just hold you off, score the objective, hold you off, score the objective, which I don't think... Um, more tribes were particularly good at uh, anyway, but other armies were better at it, like in that kind of like like very minutiae way. But I think more tribes were more just like, I can kill stuff and great, because that's something you need to do. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about more tribes in three. So who do you think are the big winners for, for Ogre More tribes? Well, I think we have to start by saying the Ogre More pot is a huge winner. Is it? Why? Um, for those, Why? What? So for those who don't know, um, you can now put it... Uh, it only has to be three inches away from an objective and it used to be six inches away, right? Yeah. So what that means is that it's much more reliable that it's going to refill, right? Could you, just for everyone because... at home, explain how it works? So Ogre Morpot, it starts full and when you use it, it heals everything wholly within 36 that has the Ogre keyword. Which, so basically everything. Which is great right? in a smaller board Holy as well. 36. Yeah, that's going to be the whole board if it's in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but it used to be, it had to be six inches um, away from objectives and um, more than 12 from your opponent's territory. So it ended up being like well in the back, um, especially because you didn't want it to block your own unit. So well in the back and the likelihood that an enemy model was going to die within six was so low, especially with, you know, the traditional Frostlord on Stonehorn and Mournfang kind of list where you've, going at them rather than standing there. Mm. So, but now it's changed. So it just has to be wholly within your, your territory and more than three inches away from objectives. So on the missions where there's a objective in the middle of the board that, it, that includes both uh, you and your, your opponent's territory, then you can put it right on that objective. And that means whenever you're fighting over that middle objective, which is really what's going to happen in that game, like it's going to be refilling every turn. 
So you're going to have the possibility to to heal all of your your big monsters and that every turn, as long as this model's fighting there. Which is going to yeah. work so well with the heroic action as well. Yeah, so you're going to be stacking all these heals, and it's going to keep you know refilling. And there are numerous ways that you can use it in in the hero phase multiple times. So you can pop it, and then let's say you've got a wizard that's got like a damage spell, then you can kill a model within six, and then you can pop it again. And you can keep doing that in the same hero phase. So there's the potential for just a huge amount of he heals. And so it looks like something that's a small change to the more pop, but it actually means like so much for the army. Um, wow. Yeah. That's... Paint your more pot now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I if you did have your more pot anyway, what kind of ogre player were you anyway? But like, I that's blowing my mind because I already hate trying to kill a frost lord and stonehorn anyway. Now knowing he's healing multiple heroic action aside, which is already like, oh god, how am I going to deal with that big mammoth? And now there's multiple more pots. Madness. I hadn't thought about that at all. That's brilliant. Uh, Pete, who's in the chat, who played recently at the arena uh, with Zogamore Mortrise. Pete, you got to be loving that. That's great. Uh, okay. Um, right. Okay. So more pot is the winner. Wasn't expecting that. What's the next winner? Uh, six inch piling is a huge winner for the now, for the whole game, uh, but yes, yeah, yes, but you know specifically, I'm talking about the the blood gullet command ability, which lets uh, friendly units, so not even just ogres, which I'll talk about later, uh, pile in a holy within twelve, pile in an extra three inches. Now it used to be on a big monster when you had that. The only use for it was really if you'd killed a unit then because you've charged, you can still pile in, so you can pile in six and hit stuff at the back. But now, you know, if you're charging in like a big block of Mournfang, like four Mournfang or something, you're able to just move the whole unit six inches to the right or something, which in a lot of situations is really helpful because, um, you know, often you need to fit your other big monsters kind of around them. And, and like there's everything has huge bases in Beast Claw Raiders, so being able to move stuff around enemy units so that you can maybe be in a better position on the objective or a better position to, you know, whatever it be, tag another unit that your opponent has so that they can't charge you on their turn or something. Um, that, yeah, the six-inch pylon thing has gone up in value so much. Yeah. Huge. Like, and then and then we need to talk, I mean, that's massive. Let's talk about it in relation to redeploy as well. Right, yeah. Well, it's not the good six-inch pylon, though, so you, you can't, oh. like, sit outside of six you still got to have to have charged right um so yeah the redeploy is probably more relevant for the the yetis which we'll talk about later i'm, I'm sure okay um yeah yeah okay all right sweet well then let's move on i love that let's let's go to the next big winner what's the next big winner okay so we i mean we have to address the elephant of the room yeah. um when we talk about this later i'm i'm not going to talk about it but metal crunch up okay so for those who don't know um, and it's a good lesson in life to to back up your rules on an external hard drive because uh, Games Workshop's decided to delete a, a particularly important paragraph that said that A, you can't take the same mount trait more than once and B, you can't take more than one mount trait. So from a particular rules interpretation, you can now not only get multiple metal crunches across different models, but multiple metal crunches on the same model and... There's a particular boulder head build where you can get two frost swords and stonehorn and two husk guards and stonehorn, all with double metal cruncher. So what that means is that when you go in at the start of the combat phase, you do eight d six mortal wounds before your opponent gets to do anything. 
Yeah. So that's the thing that his rules was written totally legal. So is that that James Bond villain who had metal teeth? not intended. <laughs> Just keep eating your face. That's uh. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's interesting. So, so they, they, so this is via the FAQ, right? They, they accidentally. Yes. So, do you think that that's going to be FAQ'd so you can't do that? Like, and if that's the, if the situation is like that, that's the case. Like, what do you think? What do you think the best version of that FAQ is? Like, is there one where it goes back to you can only have one version of Metal Cruncher? Would you be very excited about multiple Metal Crunchers? Also, just for everyone at home, what does Metal Cruncher do? Uh, at the start of the combat phase, pick an enemy unit within three inches that's a war machine or has a save characteristic of four, three, or two, not one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you do D6 mortal wounds. Yeah. <laughs> not one. So there's just a Basilodon like... <laughs> yeah, can't do it to a Basilodon. He's not made no. of metal, he's a dinosaur, so he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, amazing. So do you think that there's a version so, yeah. that, that that'll be FAQ'd? Like T-Man Cash is thinking it's going to be FAQ'd. Do you think it's going to happen? So, it so I think the likely outcome is going to be that you can't have multiple metal crunches on the same model. But there are other armies that have been taking multiple of the same mount trait for years now, like Flesh Eater Courts taking multiple gruesome bites on their um, terror guys to give them reroll hits, right? Was fine. So this is not a new thing, right? That's true. Every, everyone's been doing this. That's true. Yeah. So now we get to do it. The shoe's on the other foot, you know, and... That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yep. That's great. I don't I don't hate that either. Like be, like cuz the version I was always disappointed with the Ogre Mortar's book because I don't think they did much for gluttons. Um I don't think they did much for the 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 non beast called raider part of it. I don't think they did much for gluttons. I don't think they did much for like I mean Manny is lol. Um like you know like there's there's a whole bunch of models that you kind of want to paint and take. Well, I, that was me anyway. That was what I was thought. That's what I wanted to build and paint. And I didn't think that they performed particularly well. And just FYI, if everyone is like, actually, they're really good. Worldwide stats say that they're not very good. So just to throw that in there, I don't want to be that guy, but uh, that's what they say. Um, however, uh, uh, <laughs> like uh, I, I don't hate that, that Stonehorns have got more scary. I've always liked their place inside the game as that, like, absolute beat stick like frostholds and stonehorns have always like you know it's horrible when you face it but it's super fun um so like we, i think uh, maybe like maybe having two metal crunches i think should be a no but having one metal cruncher on everyone fine with me plus you could paint up some wicked like metal stone horns couldn't you that'd be fun oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. all right anyway yeah. doesn't matter what's the next uh what's the next big winner do you think well so i mean this okay so this is gonna this is gonna throw people for people are gonna be a bit confused about this. Get ready. But Hrothgorn's man trappers, okay? So the Underworld's Warband, okay. What? So what it consists of is an ice brow hunter and one dog and three dudes, okay? Yeah, okay. Right, right. that's what's in Take it. Me on a journey. So you get you get three units yeah. and they're one hundred and seventy points, right? Okay. Now well so so that's that's them, okay? Now the Icebrow Hunter has gone up five points. So he's one twenty-five points, and the dogs, which I think are a big loser, have gone up fifteen points. So that they've gone from forty to fifty-five points. So a hunter and two dogs is now one hundred and eighty points, which is more than the Underworld's War Band, which is one hundred and seventy points. Right. Right. Now, what you really want the dogs for this edition, which is why they've gone up, is to deny your opponent unleash hell, right? Because you can come in, be more than nine away, and they get plus three to charge, right? Yeah. Or maybe it's plus two, something like that. 
Um, I think it's plus two without skull. And, you know, you can go in and you can just tag that, that unit that's going to unleash hell and they have to shoot the dog or they can't do it later in the phase, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's really what the dogs are for and that's why they've gone up 15 points. And a lot of other units in the game, except Aether Wings, have gone up a lot of points to, you know, for the sake of denying that sort of play. I don't know why Aether Wings are still 45 points, but... The Stormcast book is Here we are. the Stormcast book is soon. So I, I basically I have an asterisk next to Stormcast. I don't think like anyone wants to talk to me about Stormcast. I'm not even gonna do a faction reaction on them. I'm just like cool. Stormcast, I've just oh when their book comes out, I'll talk about it. Before then, I don't think there's any point. So yeah, like I understand. Fair enough. Um but yeah, so you get the one dog with that guy, with the, the Underworlds guy, and so you can use that dog to just, you know, ping something did I unleash hell. And I think the three little dudes that you get with him kind of are quite good for fit, fitting in some battalions, and also they're quite good at just like moving on an objective on the first turn and dying yeah. and doing nothing. So it's um, a trade game. And yeah, yeah. Um, and the the trap that they've got as well, um, given that I think faction terrain features in general have gone up in power quite a bit. Mm. Um, so. Um, I know you can't put it if it's. I think you can only put it on on an objective that is not wholly within your territory. Um, so I'm, I'm sure there's some instances where, where you can't use it, but um, yeah, that trap can be kind of useful. Although I wish you didn't have to roll a two up to do it. What, anyway, what does the trap do? The, the what kind does the trap do? It's uh, you put it on a on a terrain piece, and the first time a unit ends, enters a move within an inch of it, it does d6 border wounds on a two up. Yeah. Wow, that's wicked. But on. But if you've got some terrain that's like on some key objectives that you need to deal with, then yeah, it's quite it's quite useful. But obviously, it can it can hurt you as well. So that's that's something to consider about. Yeah, yeah, yeah I understand that. But who yeah. doesn't want to throw that on like a shrine luminor or something at some point, or like some Eidneth yeah. trying to garrison a boat? Now that would be super fun. So like, so you think you think they're just a really good utility piece inside the army now? Yeah, and there's a um, there's a battle tactic as well where um, you get you, you complete the battle tactic if you have two units holding within your opponent's territory, right? Yes. And so, so being able to bring good. those two guys down, just do it. You just do it. Like your opponent has to cover their whole backboard to deny you it. So being able to do that as well is quite handy on um, you know if if you can't find a good battle tactic in that turn as well, it just gives you a good little out. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. Uh, have I got the battle tactic on me? Might be something just to double check. Because actually one of the real, again, compliments against Workshop on this particular front, one of the uh, the things about those battle tactics, they normally specify. Like Monstrous Takeover, you have to pick a monster. Uh, and I think you choose your battle tactic before... Well, I mean, there's no actual specification on wording yet. So I think guess you could cast Metamorphosis to make you a monster, then choose your battle tactic if you wanted to. So you make it a monster because you have to choose a monster for Monstrous Takeover. But I personally think battle tactics should happen at the start but it like irregardless um because then because then you're making decision like you're rolling dice and it feels a bit weird to do the battle tactic and then like sorry do some stuff and then choose your battle tactic does that make sense like what i'm gonna do like i'm gonna kill your hero do a whole zinch magic phase get you down to one wound and then i'll be like i now choose i'm going to kill your general like or something i think so i'm pretty certain it's at the start of the battle tactic and i don't know if you have to choose two units to do that one but that one's a great one like for two like for scoring two victory points just to drop two units at the back of the board is such a such a major sockbert good night uh such a good uh, tactic and so easy to achieve right for like with a unit like that yeah 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 so what's the yeah. so they're, they're, 
you carry on. So that yeah, they're quite handy. Um, just just to kind of fact check myself a little bit. So the trap uh, can't be a terrain feature wholly within your enemy territory. So I don't think you can use it on enemy faction terrain. But there's going to be some some other things that are useful. Like you could even put it on the more pot if you're not um, if you're not running a wizard. If you want to do that, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sweet. I hadn't thought about that at all. All right, like that. I like that a lot, especially because you're going to design lists now. You're going to be like, because what is that? Did you say it was 180 points? 170 points, yeah. 170 points to achieve two victory points in a battle tactic. Like, that's actually pretty key, I would argue. Yeah. So, big love to that. I think that that's really good. Because some lists, uh, the list I was running at the weekend, never was able to achieve that. I didn't have anything fast and was able to. And so now I'm constantly in my head being like, all right, what unit am I going to do that with in the future? Like, or what units am I going to put into my list? So it goes back to list writing. So that definitely big stonks on those guys. Um, what's next? Sure. Anything else? Uh, a big winner? Uh, I like the Frost Lord and Thunder Tusk. So the other Thunder Tusks are not good. Headline, not good. The uh, the Husk Guard and Thunder Tusk and especially the Beast Riders are not good. Um, That's but the the frost on thunder task, you know, we we were talking about how you've got to be able to kill stuff um, in the game to complete certain battle tactics. But in certain builds, like the the Yeti build, um, you really need a hero that survives because your Yetis are not um, they don't have a champion. So in order to receive you know basic command abilities, you need a you need a, a general that's going to live. And so this frost on thunder task guy, who's now got access to amulet of destiny for the five up ward mm. it's, it's, it's a real tanky dude because you can give him a mount trait which reduces enemy ren by one in, in combat mm. so he can be on a three up save with a five up ward um and then you can give him mystic shield or um you know best day ever or uh all out defense so those are the three ways you can get plus one save and you're going to be reducing ren by one and you've got the five up um ward save you're minus one to hit in combat and minus one to hit and shooting if you're in Winterbite and in your territory. Um, yeah, so it's just this really tanky unit um, that I think has gotten a lot better from what he was, even though the other Thundertusks have gotten a lot worse. Yeah. Okay. And there's also, like, scoring te- counting as 10 on an objective if you're looking to achieve that, right? Like, And if you put in the right army, is potentially the source of a really good command ability. Is also a priest or not a priest? No, he's not a priest. He's not a priest. No, the other one is a priest. The other one is a priest. Yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting, because I hadn't thought that that would be something that would would necessarily have got better. But I think anything that's um, that the, everything's got better because it can take plus one save. But then when you stack it with the other things, which the minus one to hit, like you say, and then also like you say, a five at ward, you can create yourself a little beast there, which previously wasn't available in the book. Like, do you think that that's something that you need, or would you not really just want to take more output, or you think you think you need to hold sometimes? So I think that the two archetypes of, of lists where you're going to see him are in in a in a build with a lot of other frost swords and stonehorn because um, you you really want to give uh, the the combat buffs like all out attack to the the stonehorn right the the one stonehorn so as soon as you start running lots of stonehorns yeah they they sort of go down in efficacy a little bit yeah so especially with combat activation and that kind of thing so you kind of want this one anvil unit. That can just take in attack and go second um, and not die and stay on the objective while you've got these kind of more squishy units that do more damage. 
Yeah. Remi- and then the other build is, is the Yeti build that where you're seeing. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of like combat activation, right? Like this unit can take the hit first, then strike back. This unit is going to do all the damage first. It's going to preload and like, and if it gets hit, it's going to be worse. It reminds me a lot of that. And I agree with you, having played like loads at the weekend, one of the things that I found was there was quite a few combats where you could see the person wanted to do both command abilities. Like both of them wanted plus one to hit or both of them wanted to take cover. Yeah. But actually, if you build into your list, the ability to do one or the other, yeah, like massive. That, that's really, really interesting actually because yeah, you can only do for everyone at home, just to be clear, in a phase, you can only do each command ability once. So having something that gets tankier and something that gets hittier in the same phase is actually a really smart play. Love that actually. That's really good. I'm going to think about that. Don't think it's going to matter if I push Arky on that yet, but that's that's where my brain's at but we'll see uh <laughs> yeah no can't deal with that <laughs> eight metal crunches but the other though, important thing about eight him, metal crunches on archeon yeah, he'll be that's fine all right what, yeah, what if you can get rounded <laughs> well you get yeah. a few round him at least what what else do you think got better so i mean i mean the other thing so the other thing with that Sorry. guy is he makes yeti's battle line oh he yes. makes yeti's battle line which are the other big winner right so yeti's are the other big winner and they become battle line if you've got a thunder tusk general so, um, you know, I saw Heiwo playing a TTS battle report where he was running Gettys as battle line instead of Mournfang. Um, and I think you'll see that a lot now um, because you, you, that six-inch pylon has gone up so much in, in, in value. And the thing about Yetis, um, and also there's a few other units in the game like Sisters of Slaughter are also really good. Um, the thing that makes them so good is that when so when you have a six-inch pylon unit, you want to run and then be outside of six and then pile in six, right? Because yeah. that way you get to go first before your opponent gets to activate. Yes. But the problem is with redeploy, if you do that and then your opponent just moves one inch out, then you can't do anything with that unit, right? Because it ran. Yeah. So that's the problem with like your six-inch pylon Varangard unit is you run them up and then even if you're outside of three, it's still kind of risky because your opponent, if they as long as they redeploy three inches... So roll a three up, basically. Then you can't get into combat mm. most of the time, right? So the advantage with Sisters of Sword and Yetis is they also have run and charge. So even if your opponent redeploys, you can still then charge afterwards. I know it's like a fairly long charge, um, but you know maybe you can go into another unit on the side or something. You know there are a bunch of options, but having run and charge and six inch pylon really helps you get a, around that redeploy problem. Yeah, so that that makes them a big winner, I think. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the run of charge, I think, is is really key. Um, and I think, yeah, the redeploy and um, and also piling. First thing I when I read the redeploy, first thing I was like, Yetis, baby. Like, I can definitely see them being a thing because of that of that piling. And if you guys are wondering what we mean, if you start normally, if you start within three inches, obviously you get to pile an attack. Um, but if you start out with Yetis as an example, if you start within six inches, you can pile in and also pile in six inches so what we saw Stuart do really well on TTS like uh, like I don't know a year ago eight months ago whenever it was like you were running and then you were piling in but you're doing it with multiple units but because you can pile in and then activate it means that whenever they would strike back so you'd pile in activate they'd strike back and then they wouldn't be able to hit your next yetis and then you'd pile in and activate again and then, so they were always free to basically strike first because they were outside of range. But then I guess I hadn't thought about that it's also a weakness that you can also redeploy outside of it, like which is also a, a, a yeah. skill as well. Yeah, that's very interesting. But then now you've got access to, but you can then, you can still, really interesting. That's fascinating, actually. That's really cool. But you can still charge. So, it, and, you know, and, and the other side of it is, 
is redeploy when you have six inch pile in is massive, right? Yeah. Because your opponent moves something up, you redeploy to be within six, and you know your opponent can often be in a checkmate situation where something important is going to get tagged if they don't charge the Yetis, right? Or you know the Yetis are going to get into something that is quite squishy, like a hero or something. So yeah, because you've got run and charge, the the redeploy hurting you is, is a bit less, and you know that huge. Um, benefit that you get from from redeploy is is definitely still there yeah yeah that's massive yeah that's cool love that really excited for that um any other winners do you think across the book uh wizards are so much better they are so much better um the fire belly has gotten so much better because he can take an extra spell so of course yes so he's got so the the two spells that Fire Billy's got are, that are good are Billowing Ash, which is the one that's cast on an eight, which is still really hard. But uh, Bubble of minus one to hit, which is an amazing aura, mm. has to be said. And then the other spell is the Horde Clearing spell, which is going to be so valuable, I think. Um, which is pick an enemy unit within twelve, I think, and you roll a dice for every model in the unit, and it and does a mortal wound on a four up, right? Wow. Four up. Wow. So that. So having that threat on that cheap model, just it kind of changes the way your opponent has to play because you you've got this guy who's who has this castle effect of the billowing ash while you're moving him up, and then if they've got this big unit, your opponent has to play around the fact that he can just rinse them with a you know with a horde clearing spell, um, and, and also you know with redeploy as well, like those those sorts of abilities, like you know like curse as well. I think people haven't thought about this so much, but. Those sorts of abilities where at the start, you know, in your hero phase, you have to do something have gotten a lot better because when your opponent moves something up, you can redeploy that key hero up to be in range of their units on their turn. Yeah. So like when you've got like a short 12 inch, you know, spell or something, those spells have gotten so much stronger because you can use redeploy to get them in range on your turn, on your opponent's turn. Yeah, yeah like they hit your castle yeah. wall, your screen, whatever it might be. Your characters are behind, and then they redeploy closer, and now you're like, cool, this is this is way more effective. Yeah, that's that's a really nice piece as well. I know one of the things that I wasn't doing well and well at all at the weekend, or was trying, I was trying, I was trying to use redeploy a lot. One of the things I didn't do well enough was intentionally move units with the plan of uni- moving units behind it via redeploy, because I think that that would have been really useful as well. Like, because which is what you're just talking about, right? Like using the screen as bait, not only because you need to protect the characters, but then the characters can then be more aggressive. So those 12 inch abilities, maybe not quite as bad as maybe we once gave them credit for potentially, um, mm. uh, because mm. yeah, you've got a lot, although a big risky role, it's such a scary role because it's, it's just a D six. Uh, <laughs> um, and I've rolled like a six. You feel like a legend, a one you're like, Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, wizards. I hadn't thought about that, but the, obviously because you've only got one cast wizards in Ogamore tribes, right? Yeah, but I mean, you do have access to cogs, which gets you an extra spell. And in Blood Gullet, you know, you, your Sword of Masters can till, still cast two spells, and um, there's a, there's a range of good spells they have access to. So the the, the four that I think you'll see the most are uh, um, Mystic Shield, Levitate uh molten entrails which is plus one damage on on mount attacks and blood feast which is plus one attack but also um it has to be it has to be noted as well with the the ogre wizards is metamorphosis is a huge spell on these wizards because um if they cast it on themselves 
they count as a monster. So they they do mortal wounds on a four up on a charge, mm. and they count as ten on objectives because they're an ogre. They're an ogre monster. Yep. So again, so this little fire belly, like he's only 125 points, but he he actually represents quite a big threat for your opponent to deal with, and and anything that's going to get in your opponent's head, like oh, I've got to deal with this this little hero or something, for example. Um, there are not really many battle tactics associated with just killing like a, a thing that you know, like a little, a little unit of three yetis or something, right? Um, unless they're battle line, but like if you you know two dogs that are not battle line, for example, there are not many battle tactics that are associated with that. So getting your opponent to do something that they don't want to do on their turn is a huge thing, I think, in the new edition. You know, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Like, and also like you know, making sure that they don't have access to be able to like do some of the battle tactics like kill your general kill a monster kill your battle line if your battle line is somewhere else they're like right or you know like if you've got pink horrors for example they're like oh, i'm not gonna get your battle line you're like no you're not no you're not so this is a that's that's a good one uh, <laughs> uh but metamorphosis yeah because yeah, yeah. obviously that keys in with the the main battle traits for ogre war tribes right so they're going to be doing mortal wounds on charges and then counting as 10 models, which is pretty exciting. How do you feel about giving up victory points from Ogamore tribes? Because obviously each time a monster goes down, it's a VP to your opponent. Um, but then do you think that that's counterbalanced by the fact that you can achieve battle tactics with monsters? So, I mean, what I've, what I've been thinking about in terms of the losers is, um, you know, I think a lot of us have been hoping that the worst archetype in Age of Sigma, which is non-hero monsters, have gotten better. Mm. But I think they've gotten worse. I, agree. I think they're even worse than they used to be. I, agree. I think they're a huge liability. Like, if you've got a small monster, um, you know, like Cockatrices, for example, that is a huge liability. Because you, you are just, you are feeding your opponent victory points every turn. Your opponent's getting one extra point for killing a monster. And then there's a, you know, there's a bring it down, right? Where you get, um, you know, two points for killing a monster and one point if you killed a monster with a monster. So that's four victory points if your opponent kills a cockatrice with any more one of their monsters. Mm. So the small monsters, like your battle line monsters, like your, your, for example, your Thunder Tusk Beast Riders, your Stonehorn Beast Riders, I think these sorts of units have gotten a lot worse because they don't have access to the heroic actions for durability. So the, the plus one save or... Um, the you know the heroic uh, I can't remember, recovery for the, oh, the heal recovery. right yeah 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 so they don't have access to that um, they can't issue command abilities to themselves monsters mm. so you need another hero nearby to do it um, and all you've got access to are these um, you know the the monstrous actions in the charge phase which you know if you're playing ogre more tribes you're already doing you know the raw with your, your frost sword and stone horns so having these battle line monsters that can also do one you know a lot of the time you just end up destroying a piece of terrain that doesn't really matter because you, you know you can or doing you know d3 mortals with stomp which is, is kind of just whatever it's, it's not a huge thing so yeah they're not very good i don't think the the the, the battle line monsters i would agree with that completely i think heroic monsters significantly better because everything you just said the, both of the two heroic actions both heal and also uh in their finest hour both of those just make them better anyway and it means you can put buffs in other places right you can get plus one save here and mystic shield there and take cover there so it allows you to spread them out but also yeah they're giving up vp um and so i wouldn't take them whereas the the character ones are going to go and do all the work and then they're also going to 
gain you a bunch of VP as well. So I feel like on Stone, on Ogre More Tribes, at least, I feel like it balances out. I feel like if you don't accidentally take a bunch of Stonehorn Beast Riders, like you say, I don't think you give up too many VPs because what you're taking maybe one maybe two stone horns so like they're costing two but you're probably going to destroy a battle line for one you've got monstrous takeover um maybe you're going to kill one of their maybe you'll kill their general maybe you'll kill their hero like uh, their another monster with them with your monster because your monster's so baller so like i think you might come up in the the vp department there but it's going to be something that's really interesting to think about as you play through it i think um but yeah um mm. Uh, but have you and the, the run the three monsters battle tactic? There's also that as well, isn't there? For a bonus VP, if you run all three, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think that's I think three is the sweet spot if you can fit that in because because that battle tactic kind of gives you a free one. Um, that you yeah, a lot of the time you can just use it on turn one if your opponent gives you the turn every time and just do nothing every time. Four yeah, up, get just, a CP, just do nothing. run three yeah. units, easy. Like and also actually yeah. just just a quick note uh, I'd like to hear from you but quick note getting given the first turn isn't as bad now because nor depending on how many objectives are on the board if you get given the first turn you can normally just run two units onto two objectives assuming that you hold one or if there's none that you hold already but if there are three or four or whatever the situation but basically given the first turn normally you score more so it's score one score more and sometimes it's score two score more so not and then if you do the run one so you basically can generate five vp turn one like and then they have to start taking you off the objectives and they have to always claw back from you like max in turn one basically so don't get in turn one isn't as bad now um like if you if you're prepped for it i think because you can you can score quite high because you can score more and then they have to push you off everything um for them to be able to start scoring more again but anyway that's a that's a different topic what else do you think uh didn't do well out of uh, AOS 3 or got worse or maybe just isn't still good enough so the the shooting units in the ogre book just got even worse like, I didn't even think it was possible but lead belchers, iron blasters and scrap lords just, they just got worse um, what is it that you think made them worse like, I mean with lead belchers it's just the coherency and having one inch reach yep. um so, I mean, a unit of 12 looks attractive for Unleash Hell, but I think it's only like seven damage if your opponent charges or something. It's just whatever. Sad. And, you know, they've got two attacks, threes and threes, neg one, two damage with one inch reach. So if you've got a front rank of six, you're going to get like, you know, 12 attacks, threes and threes, neg one, two damage. It's just whatever. Um, yep. And it's a really expensive unit. Um, like, you know... It's 180 times three, which is five, 540 points for the 12 lead belchers. It's, it's a lot of points. A lot. Um, it's a lot of points. And you're going to have to take it in underguts to really justify taking them. And then you're going to want to take iron blasters because that's in there. But you'd be wrong because they're terrible. Um, you're right. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, the particular point with the Iron Blasters that makes them bad is that they hit on fours and wound on twos, so when you unleash hell, they're going to be hitting on fives and wounding on twos, which is terrible, right? Yeah. Um, and they'll only be one attack, because the plus one attack thing is in the shooting phase. Um, and then Scrap Launchers have a minimum range, so they can't really unleash hell. Um, they can, obviously, if you charge something in front of them, but they don't do that much damage anyway. So... All those units got worse, um, and then the the other shooting, which is the you know the thunder tusks that are not the frost lords, um, got a bit worse. For those who don't know, the husk guard 
um, can now only do one prayer return. So he's kind of got the corn nerf. So he used to be able to do one law, one law um, prayer and one on his war scroll. Mm. So the law ones were like uh, plus three move or like there was a damage one or bring back a Yeti. I like that one. And uh, then the ones on his war scroll were heal D3 or plus one wound. Those were his one. But now you can only use one of those. Um, they've tried to counteract that by giving him plus one to chanting rolls for other Thunder Tusks within 18. But, you know, as I was saying before, the the, the, base, the basic Thunder Tusks, the battle line ones, are, are kind of bleeding victory points because they're so squishy um, that you can't feasibly take that many of them to, to buff up those prayer rolls. And then even then, you're only getting one prayer return on those units. Um, so... Yeah, the, the Huskarna Thundertusk has gotten a lot worse, which sucks because at the end of AOS 2, there was a build that I was running with three Huskars on Thundertusk and a Frostlord of Stonehorn in Blood Gullet, which was a pain in the ass to play against because I basically would heal 5d3 wounds a turn on the Frostlord and Stonehorn. And so I was rubbing my hands together when I was seeing the new edition with all these heals coming out. Yep. I was like, oh man, this my build's going to be so good. But... A number of changes in the game, um, like, you know, the bleeding victory points part and also, um, you know, like what we were saying, that that you actually have to be able to kill a unit now, mm-hmm. whereas what Thunder Tusks are really good at doing because their ranged output gets better with the more models your opponent's unit has, they're, they're, they're best at just kind of, you know, halving a unit's size or just neutering it down to like 10 models, but they're really bad at killing the unit once it gets below 10 models, so... The value of those units have have gone down quite a bit. I think the the thunder tusks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I can completely see what you're saying, and I agree. I think the output is something that's really necessary. Um, like, do you not think the heroic actions helps with the stonehorn? And Kaniget is obviously talking about emerald life swarm being something that's available as well. But then your wizards are casting like you've got one cast wizards. You're casting so few spells. Like it's nice that it exists, but also your army moves quite aggressively forward and. Like, Emerald Life Swarm's fine with Gotrek because they're both the same speed, basically. Yeah, whereas, like, your Stonehorns are much faster and they're away from the Emerald Life Swarm pretty early, right? Yeah, I think the problem with the, the Life Swarm as well with, with with the small wizards is, I mean, I mean, I know Endless Spells have sort of become bound, but once your wizard dies, they're not bound. So you really do not want your opponent healing with the Life Swarm. Like, that's a disaster. Yeah. And it's going to be close to them as well because you you want to heal you know your units that are in combat. So I mean it's risky, and I don't have too many pluses to cast. And the wizards are um, you know that there's actually probably some other spells um, that are better in a lot of situations. I think so. Yes. Yes. Well, if anyone's got any questions in the chat uh, before we go, because we've had some as well. Angle's already just asked about thoughts on lead belchers with unleash hell, but you think that's a big no. Uh, you don't think it's enough damage, right? I mean, shooting has... I think shooting has gotten a lot better in a lot of ways, but bad shooting units are still bad, <laughs> unfortunately. I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, right, so have you written any lists for three yet? Have you have you thought about any lists? What have you thought about? I have. Now, just, just as a side note, yeah. um, I didn't say it in the winner's section, but it has to be said that one of the lists that I've been running contains 1200 points of models that are not from the battle time so 
<laughs> okay. Well, hold on. There's a question. Before you talk about it, there's a question in the chat from W. Soren all the way over from Texas. He says, how do you fit a warlord attachment in your beast claw list? And can you, or like, or do you not want to? It's interesting. So, um, I think if you're running Blood Gullet, um, running two of the wizards is not too bad. Or you can run one wizard and... Um, the, the Underworld's Warband, I think, is quite good for fill, filling that role. Oh, right, yeah, um, that's what you Because the teleports, yeah. Yeah, the teleport's super useful, so... Yeah. That's another kind of use for him, is filling that battalion. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah, sweet. There's another couple of questions coming in. Um, uh, do you think that the new addition has hurt build diversity for ogres, or...? Um, it certainly hurt the, uh, the battle line we have access to. Um, there's a few problems... So, um, so you can't fit 16 Iron Guts and the Frosthorn and Stonehorn in the same list. Yep. That's a problem. Uh, so, so the solution to that would be to take a Hunter General, right, and take three units of dogs to battle line. Um, but that, that's gone up quite a bit. So it's now, uh, I think it's 300 points. It used to be uh, much less than that. Yeah, like quite a bit less than that. 50 points, or 250 points, I think is what it was. Um, and yeah, and and also the uh, the fact that your hunter's off the board when he's the general is a huge problem because you need him to be on the board to get the extra command point. Yeah. So um, yeah, that that kind of brings me into the uh, the the other direction that I've started going in because of that fact. Okay. So, Talk to us about this list. Love this. Let's go. You seem excited. So, okay. So. So, so, um, so the Ice Bear Hunter has to be the general to unlock Frost Sabers as battle line, and so that means he's going to be off the board. So, to get the extra command point, you need another general. Now, we do have access to another general, which is Kragnos, because as long as he's in the army, he can be the general, right? Yeah. So you can have this Ice Bear Hunter off the board, and um, you can still get the extra command point, and you have access to Dogs as battle line, which means you've got a whole bunch of points freed up that you don't need to put into battle line with Mourn Fang. Um, so the rest of the list that I've been running has, so it has a Frostlord and Stonehorn. Mm-hmm. So I'm in no tribe. That's the big headline. I'm in no tribe. Okay. So tribeless. The, the Icebrow Hunter, the Icebrow Hunter has winter ranger. So that's the get extra D3 command points every turn. Mm. So I've still got a general on the board, but I'm also getting D3 command points. So if I'm going second, I'm getting three plus D3 command points by default, right? Wow. Which is which is brilliant in the in the new edition, yeah. Um, yeah so I've got that Icebreaker Hunter General, and then I've got uh, Frostlord and Stonehorn with Rune tokens. Rune tokens have gone up hugely in value because a lot of reroll saves have been removed from the game, but that one is still there. So it is only for you know uh, until your next hero phase. So on the double, you'll get it for two turns, um, but because you've got so many access, so much access to plus one save. From other mechanics in the game, getting those reroll saves is huge, even if it's for kind of one battle round. And he's got Metal Cruncher as well. And then I've got Kragnos, and I've got Bundo Whalebiter, oh which is the mercenary. Oh my god, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> Bundo. Just the mercenary. Bundo. Now, Bundo, Bundo is so good, Rob. Now, so there's what? a number of things that have that have that have gone in his favor. So so number one, you control objectives at the start of the game. So you can kick on your first turn if you go first, right? right. That's number one. Okay. Okay. Number two is, so for those who don't know, his mercenary ability lets him elect to go last in the combat phase, right? Now, the um, 
the Kraken Eater Megagargan also has a net that you can put models in, right? So you can go last, right? And then if you're versing a big unit, you can pick out a key model in the unit and, and use it to break coherency. And your opponent will have no counterplay to that because it's at the end of the combat phase, yeah. right? And obviously, breaking coherency is a lot easier now because um, you know the big units are required to have two models within an inch instead of just one. So realistically, even if you can only pick out one model, you can often break coherency with that. Yeah. Especially if your opponent's doing like you know a suicide triangle or something, um, as it's called, which is just where you have the 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 extra model at the end of the unit to to make everyone within an inch. But then as soon as one model dies, the whole unit starts dying. They all die, they all die, don't do that. Down, they all die <laughs> down to five, don't they? Yeah, or four. Yeah, yeah. it's not good. Don't do it. Um, but the the other thing, and I have to give credit to Pass for pointing this out. So as far as I'm aware, they've removed the the part of the fact where if you get into combat with an enemy unit at the end of the phase, they can fight. My understanding is now they can't do that. So you can charge with the Kraken Eater Mega Gargan and kill what's in front of them with the Frostlord and Stonehorn of Kragnos and then pile in and hit an opponent's unit. And because it's at the end of the combat phase, your opponent's unit can't fight. Because, because why? Because the way the combat order goes is you, the the strike first units go, and then everyone else goes, and then the strike last units go, right? Yeah. And if you're not a strike last unit, my my understanding is that you can't go. Oh. You know, even if you're made to be eligible later in the phase, that's my understanding. I could I could be wrong, but that's interesting. Um, I, is, I, I, I'm running tech. an event. I'm running two events this weekend, and I've had FAQ questions all week, and it's like Knights of the Empty Throne. If I unmatch Conquerors, a uh, 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 Mega Gargan, is it zero or thirty-four? And I was like, "Oh my god, uh, 34. <laughs> oh gosh, the age-old debate. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, yeah. like it's thirty-four. Like, just take it." Uh, but Knights of the Empty Throne as leaders, uh, are they like are they subcommanders? I was like, "Oh my god, Knights of the Empty Throne banned." Uh, but okay, fascinating. I'm going to go look that up. That's a really interesting one. I mean, we're so new into the edition, right? There's so many still things that you have to check and double check to make sure that the tech is there or not there anymore. The things that are missing are going to be really interesting. So that's fascinating to go look up. Appreciate that. Um, I can't wait to look at that. But yeah, so that's cool. I can't believe it. So what else is in the list? Frostlord, Kragnos, Bundo. Dear God. Uh, what else? Hunter and four units of two dogs. That's it. So it's just four <laughs> units of two dogs, three monsters and, and a hunter. That's the list, yeah. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> okay insane uh wow okay great i mean easy to paint as well right quick and easy three models in the fenrisian rules box and uh amazing and a hunter which you convert or whatever okay Do whatever you want okay yeah. wild wild <laughs> uh what <laughs> a painter's dream yeah that's great for the painting matter as well uh <laughs> do you have another list or is that like that's the one you're looking at at the minute so is that one, and then there's the the Yetis list I've been running. Um, there's not there's not a huge amount of change between the editions. So I've got uh, the Frost Sword and Thunder Tusk. Um, so we're in Winterbite, mm -hmm. Yeti tribe. So he's got the plus one to, to Wound Aura, and he's got Amulet of Destiny for the five up ward, and uh, the the Rhyme Frost Tide, which is the reduced Ren by one Mount trait. Mm -hmm. And then I've got a Frost Sword and Stonehorn with the uh, the frost fang which is the artifact you have to take which gives you a plus one damage at the start of each round battle round on a five up which is quite nice and i've got a fire belly i've got hrothgorn the, the underworld's guy so I've, i made a warlord battalion there to get that extra artifact on the the thunder tusk 
Now, uh, the, the Stonehorn doesn't have a mount trait, so if you want to put the Rhyme Frost Hide on, um, if you want to take the Rhyme Frost Hide off and give him Metal Cruncher, you can do that. Uh, it's just I would kind of like the, the Thunder Tusk to live a bit longer in this list. So I've done that. Um, and then Battle Line, I've got six units of three Yetis, and then I've got uh, the, the Throthcorn's Man Trappers, the little goblin guys, and then three units of two dogs. And, uh, yeah, in terms of the battalions, we've got the Warlord Battalion and then the uh, the Hunters of the Heartlands Battalion. Um, unfortunately, I, w- I learned today that you can only take one of it because that would have made my list quite a bit better. But uh, you, you need it on the Yetis because uh, otherwise you can't receive the strike at the start of the combat phase command ability if your opponent roars you. Mm-hmm. So you need to be out, you need to take that on the Yetis um, and I've also taken a battle regiment just to reduce drops because I got so many units. Um, I'm still not going to go first. There's no way, but <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't know how many drops I am. Probably like nine or something. But it's better than you know, twenty drops, isn't it? Uh, so on the yeah. on the on the on the drop first thing, actually, I think there's some huge uh, things that we're not necessarily talking about yet in competitive play or generally in play anyway. It used to be that when someone was a one drop or a low drop. Not only did they have the advantage of getting the choice to go first, they also could deploy as well as you could. But I've played a couple of one drop or low drop lists at the weekend, and it was brilliant because I'd put down one unit, they'd be like, they'd put down theirs first, let's say. I'd put down one, they'd be like, okay, I guess I'll deploy my whole army. I was like, I guess you will, and then I'll measure the rest of my important stuff. Like, it was great. Like, obviously, teleports are super strong still coming out of a one drop because you can redeploy and do like a whole bunch of other things. Like, but actually, those one drops or those low drop lists that include a one drop are much better for us as gamers now because actually, if you are in the higher drop go second sort of team, which I've always been uh, a member of that team as well you're in a really great spot because now you're in a much better place for dropping stuff down. So I'm like, I, I think, again, great work from Games Workshop for fixing one of the problems that I think was really relevant in Age of Sigmar generally. Um, uh, like the, I think that there are some lists that are going to be written, you know, nine Storm Fiends in a bridge. They're going to love going first all day long. They don't care. They want to go first, right? They're, they're fine. But like for a lot of other armies, actually, they might drop their drops so they can go first. But if you can counter-tech it, you're in a great spot, I think. Better than we were in the edition before, is what I'm going to say. Mm. I think also as well, like, I'm so glad they've removed that awkward thing where you keep having to ask your opponent, like, how many drops you are. You know, oh, how many how many drops are you? So, you know, I don't have to... So I get my battalion down at the right point, and then, you know, there'll be some games you hear about the tournament where someone lost because, you know, they didn't get it right because maybe they were confused with the communication with their opponent, and then their opponent didn't let them pick the turn even though it's you know they should i mean if people doing that like if your opponent is lower drop than you they get the turn they get the chance to to pick the turn right yeah like that that was always the case um and you know even if people make a mistake i think people need to be forgiving with that but i'm glad that games workshop has removed that kind of awkward gamey thing that can happen in tournaments because now it's just however many drops you are that's what you are and there's no like you know, I can split part of the battalion and I have to keep asking my opponent how much of their battalion they've split and that kind of thing. So I'm glad that's gone. Me too. Yeah. Massive, massive improvement, but also massive improvement for the people who don't go for low drops, who go for a lot of drops. I think I think massively important like, and really, really good. 
Really good. Love that. I personally going to design lists so that people who do drop low, I'm like, cool. How can I snipe at you once you've dropped low? Like, that's super fun. Uh, but anyway, mm. yeah, love that. Love that. Okay. Uh, love love the lists. Uh, love the talk today, Stuart. I think I could talk to you forever. That's that's super wicked. Um, do you, is there anything on the horizon that you could see? Like, are there any other armies that you've got your eye on? Other other armies that you think uh, you're keen on, or other things that you've kind of seen and gone, that seems strong for Age of Sigma Three. I, I got I got two two shout outs in terms of what's coming next. Yeah, so it. It has to yeah, it has to be said that. It seems like a minor thing, but that that little spade bastard, Gorslav, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So for Soul Blade Grave Lords. So I, I, yeah. I so I played a whole game of a little celebration I did with with the OG Arthur Vulgaris. We played a whole game of TTS on the weekend, and like people are gonna. I honestly think the Soul Blade Soul Blade Grave Lords zombie spam list is like S tier. That that list is gross because. Not only have they made it that, uh, so it used to be at the end of your uh, your Battleshock phase, you roll the dice, and on a five-up, a unit comes back. It's now on both players' turns, so on your opponent's turn as well. So that means you can get a unit back and then do something on your turn with it. So that's huge. Mm. Um, but then also, this little spade bastard's been introduced. <laughs> he costs 75 points for some damn reason, and he and he can pass wounds off. His name's Gorslav, the great gatekeeper, or whatever it is, Spade, I don't know what he's called, Spade Bastard. <laughs> and he passes wounds off on a four-up to the zombies near him, and at the end of the movement phase, he can spend a command point and bring a dead walker's unit back at half its strength, so um, either direwolves or zombies. The fact that you can just definitely do that in that army is so huge, and he's only 75 points, um, and that, that army is something that people are going to have to have to build around because it counters so many elite armies just having 300 zombies on the table that do mortal wounds it's it's a huge thing mm. so that's shout out number one soul blight grave lords it, they're they're scary man they're they're really good interesting yeah interesting i think a lot of people are on the zombie train anyway so i think they're going to be keen for that uh okay all right like i'm excited for that lord wilco in the chat no please no <laughs> <laughs> good response it's not fun guys well that it's should be fun. the response to yeah. any zombie takeover generally like uh, <laughs> uh what's the next one uh the next one so i've i i've i've i mean i've seen joel graham posting about it on twitter we first list we both made at the start of the edition was exactly the same so shout out to him for that which is archeon and idolators it's just like this so there's you can get access to eight different ways of plus one save in that list and uh, because of Zinch Mark, he gets reroll once to save automatically. Doesn't have to do anything with it. Mm -hmm. So although the reroll saves is gone from Slaves to Darkness, he can still definitely be on a two up rerolling once. Like if he's on plus five save rerolling once, I mean you, you're never killing him, are you? Now he can't be everywhere and he can't do everything. And his, you know, Archeon's still not good at killing like a huge unit, like a, a like a massive wound bucket. No. He's he's really not good at killing that. Um, without double piling especially but he's still going to be around because against other monsters this there's still that potential of just insta killing a monster with his with his slayer of kings right yeah like no matter how many pluses to save you have the fact that he can just instantly kill you if you're a kragnos or whatever is is huge so you're still going to see him around um and there are so, sort of some other elements of that idolaters list like the terrain destroying thing and stuff like that um that are great 
And it has to be said that the Chaos War Shrine, I mean, that that thing just won some sort of keyword bingo or something. Just do everything now. <laughs> it's got totems so it can issue commands from 18. It's got monsters so it caps five. It's, you know, it's a priest so it's got access to curse. So every War Shrine in your army is just going to know curse because it already knows the stuff on its War Scroll. Mm-hmm. So... Big fan. Yep. Big fan. I think the War Shrine... War Shrines... Yep. War Shrines we talked about, like, low-key, War Shrines were the heroes of lasted, like, at least the last year of competitive play anyway. They'd be everywhere. You'd be like, where's your War Shrine? Like, right, here he is. Never leave home without him. Uh, and now, stonks to the moon on the War Shrine, right? Yep. Yeah. Huge. Huge. Huge, huge stonks. Yeah. Huge stonks. Hey, listen. Love talking today. Thank you so much, Stuart. Appreciate it loads and loads. Uh, like it's been a pleasure, especially for the first one of the faction reactions. I can't think of someone uh, better. Your your mind is that of a math jazz uh, linguist, the the Warhammer warlock. Uh, and honestly, I can't wait to see what you you kick out over the next year for Age of Sigmar three. Um, so if you guys want to go and follow Stuart, you can follow you. You can follow you on Twitter, right? Yeah, uh, S McCowan three is my Twitter. Well, thing. I'll put that. Um, I'll put that in the show notes yeah. below, so you guys can go and follow him and ask him any questions that you might have about Ogre More tribes. Stuart's one of my picks for one of the Ogre More tribe players, like to take a, pay attention to. So if you guys want to go and do that, that'd be great. Um, uh, yeah, and obviously, if you this first time you've watched uh, the Honest Wargamer at all, you can listen to us as a podcast, and we're also available on YouTube, of course, or you can watch us back as a VOD on Twitch, or you can join us live. We're live every day, Monday through to Friday, uh, and then we're also live every Monday night talking Age Sigmar and Thursday night talking 40k, if you guys are interested. So you should join the Twitch chat, who are all treasures today. You've all been lovely. Thanks, Twitch chat. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, Stuart, you got any shout outs before we go away today? Um, anyone you want to big up oh i just yeah i'm just gonna i'm just gonna shout out uh i'm just gonna shout out arthur vulgaris for uh always playing warhammer with me on tts even though we don't live in the same city anymore but he's a treasure right friendship always wins (laughs) there you go that's my little that's my little anime speech at the end of the at the end of the show there you go (laughs) i'll tell you Friendship always wins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Hey, can we all shout out Stuart in the chat because he's been wonderful. Twitch chat, thanks. Thanks to everyone on Patreon and Sports Science Wargamer. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys have a nice day and we'll see you soon with some more faction reactions coming over the next couple of weeks. Going to get through every faction uh, with someone who I think is worth talking to about it. Thanks so much and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs>